Hey everyone, and welcome to the Not So Sad Podcast. I'm Leilani. And I'm Brendan. And we are here to give you your weekly dose of fucking joy. Hey guys, and welcome back. Welcome back. This is a special episode today. Why yeah. is that, Brendan? Well, this is episode six, part one. Ooh, we separated them into two parts, y'all. Y'all get two episodes today. Yes, so part one is going to be all about schizophrenia and bipolar one, coming from my perspective. Brendan's the show, the, the whole person for this show today. Yeah, and then um, part two is going to be Leilani about postpartum depression and PTSD. Yep. So uh, sit back, get your tea, get comfortable, and get ready for a long-ass feels trip. Oh yeah, this uh, schizophrenia one definitely is about to be a whole trip. <laughs> and, and just for the record, I've already pre-cried, you know, so if I sound a little snotty, just ignore me. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go ahead and dive into uh, a little about a a little bit about what schizophrenia actually is because if you google anything of course you know like google is the worst thing because all of a sudden you're dying <laughs> swear every time you have like cancer or something yeah it's always something to the extreme um but schizophrenia actually uh, as there have been like very insane cases is something that a lot of people have that doesn't really have a um major impact or as scary as what google makes it sound it's not always a horror story um, so there are two types of schizophrenics. Um, both can be minor or chronic. Um, personally, I am a chronic auditorial schizophrenic, meaning I don't hallucinate visually. I only hallucinate um, mentally. Uh, as for a visual schizophrenic, uh, is hallucinating to the point to where they're seeing people, they're seeing things, and um, I'm blessed to not be that kind of schizophrenic. And they can be hearing things too, correct? Yes, yeah. yeah it's, you, more often than not, if you're a visual schizophrenic, you also have auditorial hallucinations yeah. as well. Um, so, uh, being an auditorial schizophrenic, um, you know, I hear a lot of things. Um, currently, I have about 12 to 13 voices that are... Uh, Depictable but unrecognized if that makes sense. These are voices that I don't have a face for um, Sometimes, you know, I have one or two uh, Going on sometimes I have them all going on um, not all of them are negative things as though most of them are um, a lot of them are Belittling a lot of them are oppressive a lot of them are you know, like fuck you dude You're not really doing what you're supposed to be doing um, and but there are also a couple who are like hey, you're doing the right thing and a, a lot of a couple of them actually helped me like make good decisions Like I started journaling what yesterday very hard. I've always journaled here and there But I've been very adamant about it starting yesterday Throughout and, your day, yeah. yeah And that's something that like one of them has been helping me with like one of my auditorial hallucinations is actually helping me like hey You need to write this down in your journal and it's kind of fucking crazy It's almost like <laughs> having like a second me talk to me if that makes sense. That sounds helpful. Yeah <laughs> um, But you know when those negative ones come in man, it's crazy. So Essentially how the negative ones impact me the most um, and it's a pattern that I've noticed is if I do anything throughout my day that forms any kind of guilt They grab that and um, You know, it's it's like today. I uh, we were in the car um, coming home from Nashville and I was It's late, you know, and uh, the baby baby Evelyn's trying to go to sleep and the other baby Miguel uh, screamed <laughs> 
or he wasn't even screaming. He was just making noise in the background yeah, while ah. Evelyn was screaming. Yeah, and I was just like so overstimulated um, that I said, Miguel, stop. And Leilani was like, that's not fair. He wasn't even screaming. He's just making noise. He's just one. And so like me feeling guilty about that because she was absolutely correct. I was out of pocket for that. Um, it triggered it, you know? I started feeling guilty and then all of a sudden these voices are saying, you shouldn't have fucking done that. You know, you're a fucking piece of shit, dad. Um, just things along those lines. And so it's, it's kind of a hit, the, the hidden blessing with the, with the negative ones is I learn a lot quicker what I'm doing wrong to avoid those episodes. If that makes sense, um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a crazy thing to have. Um, I will say, ever since starting my medication, they have been slightly muted. I wouldn't say they're completely muted, but they aren't as loud um, sometimes. And if you're a schizophrenic listening to this, I'm sure you can uh, I'm sure you can relate. Sometimes it's like you have headphones in your ears, and they're all in your head, or they're playing in your head, and a lot of the times you can depict what room in your house they're actually talking in. Like, like I can be sitting in my living room and be like, yo, there's like six motherfuckers bullying one motherfucker in the kitchen. And, or they're screaming at me from the kitchen. It's very, very intense. And it's a, it seems very, very real uh, sometimes, even though I know it's not like, sometimes my wife even has to, uh, you know, remind me it's, it's not real, uh, which leads to the, next part of this one how do you manage to live with a schizophrenic and after you explain how you manage to live with a schizophrenic the next question after that would be how do you help me come out of my episodes and how do you tolerate it oh gosh um kind of on the spot right now <laughs> um how do i live with a schizophrenic it to me it's not that i live with you i i love you i accept who you are it's just, this is just our life now. This is reality, you know? Um, I will admit that I had a hard time at first. Um, and since then, I think I've grown a lot in this, you know, situation. But uh, a lot of it is just patience and trying to be understanding. I am a lot more um, aware of our surroundings so that if we're in a place where there's a lot of talking and things like that, you know, I try to avoid things because I'm, I'm trying to be more um, understanding of you. Um, and I will admit, like, it has been a very big adjustment, like you not driving. Yeah, from the very beginning, you, uh, you were definitely scared. I know that much for sure. Yeah, I was uh, terrified because, like you said, you hear all these horror stories, you know, but that... And there, you know, you're still a person. You're the man that I married. You're the man that I will love until the day that I die, you know? And uh, I think I just needed to get past that ultimate fear. Um, but like I said, you know, it, it's been a very hard adjustment, I will admit. Like, you don't drive near as much. That puts a lot on me. I will admit, like, making sure you take your meds and things like that, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot on my plate. But, you know, I don't know about everybody else, but when I said through sickness and in health, I meant that. Yeah. And even though I wasn't 100% the perfect wife in the beginning, I do stand by those words and that we will get through this no matter what route it ends up at and, and what we have to do. I'm going to do my best. Yeah, you mentioned the whole not driving part, which is uh, going to lead me into this uh, next subject about schizophrenics. Um, a lot of us develop muscle spasms and tremors. Um, mine 
Some people, some schizophrenics don't. Um, I definitely do. And uh, mine are, since I have a, a it, it's hard to explain. I'm a chronic schiz auditorial schizophrenic, but my muscle spasms and my tremors are also considered chronic um, by my psychiatrist. So basically there are moments, particularly after any kind of episode where I can't control my arms, my legs, my neck, especially my neck lately. My neck has always, it's always hurting because I have tremors with my neck. Um, currently not tremoring, thank God. I took my tremor medication. Um, yeah, but, it made you. Yeah, but the <laughs> you know my voice gets shaky and um, it's gotten so bad that yesterday we were driving home from uh, dropping off uh, the three S girls. That's what I call Sailor Celeste and Sable. Shout um, out to our girls. Yeah, um, we were driving home and I told Leilani I was like, hey, I'll drive us home. And I got like, what, maybe ten miles away from the exit. Leilani yeah. was asleep and I started tremoring and spasming so bad that I had to like completely tense my leg just to be able to drive. Yeah, and you that, had trouble hitting the yes, brake. It, it was I, bad. Yeah, I had trouble hitting the brake. I had trouble maintaining like a steady gas um, gas release in the car. And it was just like, I can't fucking drive anymore. Yeah, that was, uh, I think when we came to that realization was when everything really like came into forefront for me. Yeah. And it was like, holy fuck, like this is, it was one thing where it was like, you had to take meds. You know, and then, you know, you would tell me you were having these auditorial hallucinations and things like that. But when it started to directly affect our everyday life, that's when it was like, holy fuck. Yeah. This shit's real. Like, this shit's really changing some shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a little thing. This is that real thing. And and so I will admit I was taken back, but it only took me about two minutes, I want to say, in my own head that I was like, all right, well, you know what? Let's go talk to your psychiatrist. Let's see what we need to do yeah. um, to get your license revoked if we need to do that or whatever they say. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a ooh, it's been a big adjustment. The, the, the trimmers have uh, they have such an effect on my day to day life. Uh, as I mentioned, I journal um, that it. uh you know, I like to write. I like handwriting in my journals. I have a whole slew of journals. I have like eight journals, literally. Well, you gave one to Sailor. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's gotten to the point to where like I can't even write with my hand and feel comfortable to be able to go back to my journal at any point in the day to write when something pops up in my head. Because if something pops up in my head that I want to write and I just so happen to be having tremors, I can't write. Yeah. Um, I have struggles reading because my hands are shaking as I'm reading the book. Um. So yeah, there's a lot more to schizophrenia than a lot of people recognize. And, um, you know, tips for any schizophrenic or, uh, you know, m mental health in general. Right. Um, but for me, my schizophrenia is journaling is something that's very important. Yeah. Um, I've actually learned to use it as a, a coping tool. Um, you know, docking in every single schizophrenic episode I have, um, typing it up. And typing for me has become very easy to do because if I'm shaking or not, you know, I'm not writing it by hand and it's easier to press a letter than it is to write. So I've recently moved all of my journals to um, online. Oh, Delilah, as the last episode, our dog is going to try to participate. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, um, co coping skills, coping skills, yeah. that's why I'm on. Uh, another coping skill is um, as long as it's not one that's particularly just in my head and it's one that feels like it, they're in the other room, headphones, music. Music can really, really, really dilute the schizophrenic episodes if you're hearing something from another room. Now, if it's in your head, it's gonna overdo, the, outplay the music every single fucking time. 
So it's not a cure-all, just like the medication and the therapy isn't a cure-all. Like I have to live with this for the rest of my life. No matter what meds they put me on, there will still be an episode here and there. Yeah. Um, which goes back to, again, how do you manage to help me get out of my episodes? And what tips would you give the spouse of a schizophrenic to um, help them, you know, help their schizophrenic spouse or friend even? I think one of the biggest things, and I don't know how much of an impact it makes, you know, I'll never actually know, but um, sometimes like I'll grab your hand That's and the I'll, biggest one. I'll, I'll make you touch my face, yeah. right? Right? And I'll remind you like, hey, this is your reality right here. It's not real. Um, when he's tremoring really bad, I try to say like, you need to stay relaxed because sometimes when you tense up, that, that makes it hurt more and I'll be like, you can't stop it, so let's just breathe through it and trying to get him to just ease his mind because it's one of those things where it's it's almost like having giving birth to a baby no matter what you do you're going to have to go through it right, right. it's the same thing with that tremor or that hallucination no matter what until it's over you're going to have to go through it so let's try to make you as comfortable as possible during the process and i think that's like really all that i so far have even learned and trying to help you sometimes i give you your space like sometimes you'll go and call someone else instead of me and that doesn't bother me at all you know like i also know that sometimes you might feel like you need a different type of support you know and so if i'm not that support right then and there you call whoever but we know so many of y'all don't have a support system yeah so that's why you know i think the, the best thing that you could do is maybe make a box like i was telling we, you we could do and put something from the five senses in it yeah. smell touch you know see taste in your little box so when you start to hallucinate or go through these episodes you have your own support in that box to ground you back to reality right uh, just just for the the tidbit here <laughs> i don't um i don't call other people particularly because i need another type of support my wife is actually the biggest help um, when it comes to getting out of my episodes, follow, followed up by my biological mother. She helps me out a lot. But um, it's not that necessarily more of like, it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to handle and manage. So I don't feel as if it's fair for her to have to manage it with me every single time. And I try to give her a little bit of a break because I know you have your own mental stuff going on. I come to you the majority of the time, but I do take moments of talking to someone else specifically so you don't feel like you're drowned in my world and you have time for your world. I guess like I, I just sense it in the sense of like, sometimes I need my mom, Yeah. you know? And it's okay to sometimes need your mom or need a certain specific person is right. what I was meaning, you know? Because like there's times where I've called my mom before I've called you and it's right. very seldom, but you know, there's sometimes I just need my mommy, you know? Right. Mommy, mom, answer the phone. I don't care if you're at work, you know? I got some shit to tell you, you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, the and next then, segment. Though. Yeah, this next segment, uh, bipolar one disorder. Please explain the Fuck. difference between the two, though, if you can. Yeah, so um, I'm diagnosed bipolar type one, which is the more severe type of bipolar. Um, yeah, double whammy on my end with the mental shit, guys. Um, You're cute, though. It's okay. <laughs> and a little, I'm funny sometimes. You are very funny. <laughs> uh Looking. But so bipolar one, the type of bipolar I have is more long term. Uh, the highs and the manic lows are way more drawn out. So a bipolar one individual will have uh, reckless spending habits. They will feel like they're on top of the world for months, sometimes weeks, sometimes days, sometimes for a year. Yeah, definitely me. 
Um, and uh, it can be very easily misdiagnosed as ADHD or ADD. Yeah, which because, is what you thought you because had for a while. Because you uh, you're constantly starting something up and then you get bored and you go to the next thing. Uh, the way you can dif differentiate the two is um, ADHD people have a hard time managing just throughout the day. As to where I particularly don't have problems managing it as to where I over obsess. And when I over obsess about something, I start pushing that something on somebody else. And anybody and everybody who denies anything that I say is like immediately the bad guy. Um, and then so like you get this point of like you're, you're skyrocketing up and you're doing all this work and then you get that bored feeling and then you just drop it fast. You know, it could be in the matter of a day and you're in that low for a very long period of time. And uh, bipolar 2 disorder is more or less you have spurts throughout the day or you can be triggered very easily where you go from happy to mad. The typical, oh, I'm bipolar is bipolar too. Like, you know, like one minute you're happy, next minute you're mad and you can't really like, you know, control your emotions as to where a schizophrenic type one like me. Not schizophrenic, bipolar. Not schizophrenic, yeah. Bipolar, bipolar one like me is uh, way, like I said, more long-term. So managing emotions is a little bit easier for us. It's just harder to catch and get a grip on because of how, how unpredictable it is on when that crash is gonna happen. Um, and one thing that I can't stress enough, which is actually might be a topic we discuss in the future, um, the importance of both of these diagnoses is that you need not only medication, but you need therapy. You yes. can't rely on one or the other. You have to take both. If you don't take both, you're not going to learn the coping skills. You're not going to have an open mind. And you're ultimately just going to become a, a bitter person at some point. Or it over worse, take your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like the manic lows for bipolar one, um, they're extreme. They're they're very extreme. If you uh, if you actually research it, like I had earlier today, um, bipolar one is like I want to say it was. I know it was in the top five. I think it was number three on the most severe depressive list. Like out of all depression diagnoses, bipolar one is like number three. Um, and so like the lows are low like you can't even get out of bed for days you don't get out of bed for days you don't fucking eat like the last bipolar spill that i had was working at that smoke shop um and i got really fucking invested into uh this job i was making really fucking good money like upwards of fifteen hundred dollars a week and so i got the, the making the money and the materialistic things really put me up at a high and um shit fell through with the job and um i hit this major low immediately and i just gave up on everything the gym i gave up on making music i gave up on painting shoes like all these things i enjoyed doing i just did not have the desire to do at all and it also made it very hard to love my wife or love my kids because you go to this sense eventually after the depression stage of this stage of numb and it's like you're just fucking existing and the world is passing you by so you don't give a fuck because whether you're here or not it's gonna fucking pass you by regardless and you disassociate on the highs you disassociate so bad that the world literally does pass you by um leilani actually caught me today disassociating um while journaling and uh researching you know mental health topics um and she's like brendan i love you and i said i love you too and she said but i think you're disassociating and immediately 
the bipolar one in me came out and was like, no, I'm just trying to do this, this, and this. And then I got up for a second and like, I took a deep breath and I was like, no, you're fucking right. Like I'm, I'm disassociating. Let me take a step back. Let me sit down with you and the kids. Let's, let's enjoy some time together because it was very easily the start of a bipolar one episode. And had she not pointed that out, Lord knows I'd probably be disassociated right now and going a hundred miles an hour and not managing my time properly with my family and my, my personal like individual life. And so like, I'm really thankful that you, uh, you actually noticed that. And that's something else that's important. If your spouse tells you that they have a concern for you, don't get angry, take a step back, take a step back and try to see their viewpoint on it. Try to see like what they see, you know, try to look at yourself and what you're doing and really observe and before you come to like, you know, a final decision of are they right or wrong? Like you have to see their side out. And that's something that's really hard to do for bipolar ones because like I said, we snap back into this defense mode quick, but just take a step back, take a deep breath and think for a second. That's uh, that's bipolar one for you for me. How do you manage to uh, notice signs of my bipolar? Granted, this is a new diagnosis. They originally diagnosed me PTSD from childhood trauma, which was completely fucking wrong. Well, I think you still could have some yeah. bit of PTSD in there, but I don't think that all these other things are yeah. because of that. Yeah. yeah. Um. God, I've, I've been with you for a minute now. <laughs> or, I mean, oh. you could even give some more examples of, like, episodes that I've had, like, bipolar one spills. Ugh, I don't know if you want me to go there. Go at it. I might start fighting you by hey, the end hey. of this. <laughs> it's all about transparency. Ain't nobody going to get mad. No. Um, well, no, I, I, I've been with you for a while. And uh, I, I thought from the beginning that you were bipolar. And so when they changed that, I was very unsure of your new diagnosis. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and I hate to say this on the podcast, but like there were some moments, man, where you were, you were fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. I know I've been horrible. So please don't think that I'm not saying that I need a tissue already. Um, you know, you, uh, you're, you're not wrong when you would get, depressed I mean hell like I can't tell you how many nights me and the kids missed out on you you know or how many days we missed out on on having you them having their father um but through that we we stuck it out because I just I had seen the good sides of you and I knew that there was still that part of you in there and that's really why I stayed as long as I did um, and, uh, just tried to learn how to cope, you know? Um, but I would say that through that, with me being with you as long as I have and seeing the worst and then seeing the best, I think I've learned how to be assertive, but respectful at the same time, because unfortunately with you, and I don't, I can't say this is pertaining to your bipolar, it, it, could I, I don't know you know because I don't know a lot about this stuff um but with you as long as I remain respectful but I stand my ground on something you handle that better than if I'm just like standing my ground being extra stern blah yeah. blah but if I remain respectful and you are still my husband you are still a person and also validating my feelings needs and wants you handle that better right 
I hope that makes sense. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. Along lines with like the uh, being horrible sometimes thing, um, in my opinion, this is like the most dangerous part of bipolar one. Okay. It's not laying hands on people. It's not, you know, anything like that. But the most dangerous part of bipolar one, which I'm very guilty of myself, is once you hit that low and that sadness can harm you so much that it turns into anger, you will literally push away everybody who's in your corner because everybody who's in your corner is trying to help you, but you don't want to see it. Or you actually, it's not that you don't want to, you just can't. It's that self-sabotage that yes, we talked self -sabotage. about. Yes, self-sabotage. Like, I mean, I've lost friends. I've pushed friends away. Some of them came back, you know, not all of them. More or less, none, you know, less of them came back. And uh, it's like, the reason I say this is the most dangerous is once you go through that angry spill of the bipolar one or probably even bipolar two, I can't speak on that because I'm not diagnosed. Once you push all these people away for the last time, you're alone. And then so the next time you go up to a high and then you crash, you have nobody to, to, talk, to talk to or fall back on. And the reason I consider this most dangerous is I've already said that the depression is awful. So imagine having that depression and not having anybody. You know, that, that sense of depression and then loneliness, those are a dangerous fucking concoction of feelings. Yeah. And it could very easily lead to you ending your life. I mean, I know now on my suicide attempt a few years ago that that's exactly what happened. I pushed everybody who actually cared about me away to the fucking curb in anger and neediness and codependency that I felt alone. And when I felt alone and I was down in this super down low, I attempted suicide. Granted, I got lucky and got my second chance at life, but- um, Some people aren't that lucky. Yeah, most people aren't yeah, that lucky. Which is why we're doing this. Yeah, it, it, so yeah, bipolar one is definitely a dangerous diagnosis, just like schizophrenia. So you really, 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 I can't stress this enough, guys. You really need to go to a therapist and you really need to keep up with your medication. Yes. I've noticed that even in the past week, because I'm about a week in on my meds, that I'm seeing change in myself, and Leilani has made it known that I'm seeing that she's seeing change in me. But it's 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 hard to deal with, guys. And if you have a friend who's bipolar one, bipolar two, schizophrenic, minimal or chronic, be there for them because there's going to be moments where they are down. And if you're with somebody, if one of your friends is like that. It sucks to say this, but you're walking on ice and you don't even know when the ice is gonna crack. So you you kind of have to watch how you pr approach these people. It's very important to watch how you approach them. Yeah. So that's, um, I think that's a wrap on, on part one. Yeah, I wanna make it known though that if you are any of these things that we've discussed in this episode and you have no support system i'm not trying to drag you to get us some likes we don't really give a fuck about that if we're being honest no nah, but I'm, we started time. yeah we started the facebook group not so sad podcast and what mental support, support group, group. Mental support group yep and you can find a pin pal on there that you can message you can message us more directly on there um and have and build your own support system if you don't have one at home because you're not alone and if you're shy you can even post anonymously we have it set to where anything you post can be posted anonymously that way nobody knows your face to the diagnosis that you have exactly you know we we want to be there for all of you 
And, you know, the best way that we can do that, unfortunately, is through social media because we don't know how far everybody is and things of that nature. So if you need a support group, please, please don't take your life. Please join us and talk to us and seek help. We want to watch people heal. Yeah, you can find the Facebook support group through our link tree uh, that is based on our Anchor account. So if you're watching the podcast, you'll see the website. Um, So just click on the link. You'll see the Facebook support group. You'll see the podcast. You'll see the suicide hotline number and website. Um, So use those utilities, guys. That's why we're here. We're here to provide you guys the tools and some advice to manage your mental health better. And if you're liking the podcast, give us a subscribe. Yeah, you know, yeah. Check follow us the, out follow weekly. the podcast. Yeah, guys. We're unprofessional week. as fuck, but let me tell you, we're making a podcast, so we're doing something. Yeah, speaking of the podcast, I will say this. We are balls to the motherfucking walls on this <laughs> yes, fucking podcast. Yes, we are. So we decided to do video, as you guys have noticed <laughs> on the past two episodes. I didn't have a mic, so um, we now have two mics. And uh, we were looking for an adapter for an iPhone because why spend hundreds of dollars on a camera when you have a nice phone? And uh, long story short, long story yeah. short, we bought the mic, um, we bought the tripod, and uh, we were looking for the adapter. And Best Buy didn't have it. Nowhere in fucking town had it. So we drove a whole hour um, to Nashville, Tennessee, to the Apple store to pick this up to make this podcast happen today because um we were determined to we are, fucking do it yes we were we risking it for determined. the biscuit because we had all the kids it was getting late the yeah. apple store was going to close in like an hour's time and <laughs> we fucking did it though we are determined to bring more joy and awareness to this world and we will go to the ends of the earth to and, do that and the apple store employees were dope as fuck they all like got the podcast so if you're actually listening to this right now and you saw me in that apple store Shout out to you because y'all hooked me up Shout with a free out. parking pass so I didn't have to pay for my parking. Shout out. Like, definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate it. So, that's a wrap on episode one. We will see you guys in the next episode or part part one. See you in the next part. Um, much love, guys. Much love.